podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I'm bringing you the astrology forecast for July 7 to July 13, 2021. This is an audio version of a video that you can find on my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, though I do like to bring the audio versions to this podcast as well. I will have some announcements to share with you mid forecast, so I will skip that and let you get right to it. This is Sabrina Monarch of MonarchAstrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for July 7th to July 13th, 2021. This week will bring us our first new moon out of the recent eclipse season. So our last full moon was not an eclipse, the full moon in Capricorn. And then before then, we had a new moon in Gemini eclipse and a full moon in Sagittarius eclipse. So this is our first beginning of a lunar cycle that happens outside of eclipse season and is more of a standard new moon lunation. Eclipse lunations, on the other hand, feature a sense of a certain degree of chaos, a warped sense of time, like things seeming to go fast and slow all at the same time, as well as the possibility that if we tune in and listen, a path or direction or a vision will kind of like implant or land or download into us like a kind of visitation. This is related to why many astrologers will advise not doing magic during eclipses, uh, but rather praying and being open to what is coming through the eclipse portal. At least that's what I say, like be open to what comes through the eclipse portal. Sometimes people advise to kind of like go indoors um, and kind of go within, which for me at least, does inevitably also end up with something coming through in my inner eye and often something that I will carry out or act on later, Um, like the vision to create an astrology course or to move to Portland where all, you know, eclipse visions. Um, So I love that, you know, eclipsing within, but um, it's not as much, you know, during eclipse season about having an intention. This is what I want and I'm going to manifest my will. It's more about being open to what is getting planted in that, um, mysterious eclipse space. The light of the luminaries are literally eclipsed during eclipses, which symbolizes the arrival of shadow material um, and soul work. So what we intend may not come out as we intend. And so it's a richer time to just tune into the material that's wanting to present itself. And now as we return to a normal new moon, This week in the sign of cancer, the regular opportunity for engaging the new moon um, opens up again. So things like setting intentions, doing magic, if you do magic, um, and if, of course, you heed the perspective around chilling out during eclipses and surrendering to the flow of what's coming through. So I want to share a few things about just the new moon in general, like what is a new moon, um, which you know, yes, we basically know it is the sun and moon conjunct, but what's the significance of that? And then, of course, I will get into our week uh, in more detail. For those of you who are new here, um, I'm a soul-centered evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, um, and I tune into the transits from a perspective of becoming better friends with the cosmos um, and aligning ourselves with these rhythms for the enhancement of our personal and spiritual lives. So the new moon is symbolic, of course, for beginnings. It is this monthly union of the sun and moon. The sun represents a steady source of radiant energy. It basks us in heat and light all of the time, endlessly, generously. Um, It's like light bringing clarity and distinction Oh, sorry. I mean, the sun is related to awareness. So it's like if you turn the light on in a room, suddenly the objects become distinct um, when maybe they were more melded together or you couldn't tell what the edges of things were when the lights were off. The sun also relates to creativity and the sun's heat is an ingredient that makes life possible. So the sun also gives life um, in this kind of fertilizing way. The moon is changeable, 
We see it wax and wane and change shapes and change places in the sky. It reflects the light of the sun. It is more like a lantern or mood ambience lighting, bringing an enchanting ambient glow to what it illuminates. It relates to the interior world, the unconscious and subconscious, nighttime thinking, so like art or poetry or reverie, and relates to the process of creating conditions that support life, like rich soil in a garden or a supportive home or even a healthy personality, right? Like your ego can have, you know, you can have an ego problem, like have some personality structures that are kind of... Um, you know, not helpful or not conducive for what you actually want in life uh, versus a personality that is a good vehicle for your soul in this incarnation. A lot of what I do with astrology is like unraveling personality and being creative with the personality um, because the personality is where the soul lives in this life. Like we are uh, a combination of soul and spirit and personality and human and so with the new moon, we truly do experience the beginning of a cycle that is more real in nature than, say, the first day of a calendar month. There are two main general opportunities for a new moon for our participation. Um, there is also the opportunity to just ignore and sleep on the new moon, but that's not what we're talking about here. So assuming we're participating, there's two main kind of opportunities. One is to observe and be open to the appearance of an intention. And that can be asking your dreams for guidance too, or doing divination and like, what, what is my focus? You know, that kind of openness to receive, um, as opposed to knowing, starting out the gate, what you want, or you can align with a conscious intention or will or desire and set an intention at the beginning of the lunar cycle. It's also, you know, something to watch out for is that the new moon isn't just this cut and dry, like beginning new moment in time. Often the days leading up to a new moon will have um, a kind of foreshadowing or clues as to what the intention might be of the new moon. And if you really tune in with the new moon month after month after month and set intentions with it or observe it and be with it, you'll see that it it is a kind of time cycle that allows us to grow things, to plant an intention or a seed and to watch it take shape over a lunar cycle. So this new moon in Cancer, the union of the sun and moon in Cancer could be a time to reflect on where we feel vulnerable, where we feel emotional need, or even if there's a part of ourselves or our lives that feels neglected. How might we create new conditions that are more life affirming in those areas? This could be like feeling into where you need or desire love, like just love, right? Like the water signs really do care about feeling loved, feeling connected, and then sourcing within yourself or asking the universe to assist you in sourcing a vision of what you could cultivate to remedy this place of longing or neglect. In a garden, if you noticed a plant wasn't doing well, you might figure out how to support its thriving by changing its conditions. Similarly, any area of our life, including our relationships and our communal bonds, that is needing extra love and care is already showing itself to, to us through our emotions, you know, where we're feeling sad, where we are feeling depressed where we are feeling longing, you know, like these can all be pointing to a place where we can be more supportive to ourselves, looking for what it is we can do to shift the situation. So if you want to try something out with divination, for example, you could ask the tarot or whatever divination practice you're using what area of my life is needing support? Where am I experiencing neglect? How can I show up more for this area of life? And tuning into those questions, seeing what comes up in your inner world. So before I get into our week in more detail, I want to share a few announcements. So I will share my screen. I've got to do the whole... 
setup beforehand, but here we are. So if you would like to stay in touch with me, I suggest joining my mailing list. The link is in the notes. Um, that's where I announce when my books are open for astrology readings. And um, it's also, you know, a place to just stay in the know, get the forecast delivered to you every week. You can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Um, I didn't already mention it, but please like this video and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell so that you get notifications when new videos come out. Um, and leave me a comment at some point while you're watching this to let me know what resonates with you, what new moon intentions you're setting, um, what listening you know to this forecast made you think about, um, anything I would love to hear from you. And I am running a second Kickstarter. I ran one last year for the first time to fund a year ahead of forecasts as you are watching now and Magic of the Spheres podcast episodes. So whether you love the forecasts or Magic of the Spheres podcast or both, I would love to ask for your support for a year ahead of content. Um, you know, creating this content that I share freely is a good amount of labor. It is also a lifestyle setup in terms of time that I have set out um, to create this content. Um, and I do it pretty much every week. So this is a way to support um, these transmissions if you love them, if you feel you benefit from them. And I'm offering a ton of rewards, several talks, several courses, including half off tuition to the next evolutionary astrology intensive, a replay of last year's course online presences performance art for those of you who are wanting to take up space on the internet and have more fun with your online presence and find your relationship with the internet in a more enchanting and magical light. Uh, Cause certainly there's a lot of cynical things that people have to say about the internet, but the internet's one of my favorite places in the world. <laughs> and, um, I came up with a bunch of teachings um, around that so that you can cultivate a more magical relationship with the internet. And I'm also teaching a new course about creative writing called Image Hive that will be live. So right now, at the moment that I'm recording this, we have 91 backers and you've all helped me raise $15,000, The goal is to get over 115 backers and over 20K to match and pass last year's funding. Um, so it takes it takes everyone to crowdfund. So if you love this content, please check out the link in my bio and support a year ahead. And thank you so much to everyone who's already supported. My novel, The Garden of Sleeping Hammers, is out. You can find a link in the notes for the paperback um, or hardcover version. And those links will also take you to the um, description of the book. Um, it's a book about a spiritual awakening and a subsequent confrontation with the psychiatric institution um, in America and, you know, how there is a dissonance between a spiritual awakening and what paradigm a lot of psychiatry operates under. So check out this book. I'm really excited to be sharing it and excited to, you know, that it's starting to be read and people are writing me with their thoughts about it. Um, of course, I'm open to hearing what you think about it. Um, so I hope that you read it and enjoy. Image Hive um, live creative writing course, as I mentioned, the link for that is also in the notes. I have a new podcast episode with Adam Carney called Aligned Opportunities, Dharma and Connecting with Your Life's Work. So we talked about business and um, the nature of how many aligned opportunities come your way and how do you cultivate patience and discernment in between those clear yeses um, in your life. So go check that out on Magic of the Spheres, where you listen to podcasts and the next Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. It'll be the ninth cohort. I love this course. You can read more about it through the link in the notes and read the student testimonials. It will be starting up again November 8th, 2021, and you can get half off tuition, which is a great deal um, through the current Kickstarter. You're signing up early, essentially, because autumn is a little bit away. So if you want to plant a like 
Uranian kind of like magical world opening, outer planetary relationship opening, like building your personal relationship with astrology. If you want to plant that seed for your future, go ahead and enroll now through the Kickstarter. And now that I have shared these things with you, I will get back to our week in more detail. July 7th, 2021, Venus in 12 degrees of Leo will try and Chiron in 12 degrees of Aries at 109 p.m. Pacific. So keeping in mind, Venus and Mars in Leo are conjunct and both trining Chiron at the moment. And there are also both opposite Saturn in Aquarius, while Saturn forms a sextile to Chiron in Aries. So we have this Venus, Mars, Saturn, Chiron dynamic happening all at once. And some thoughts integrating and synthesizing these things. There may be an emerging desire or impulse at the moment to express ourselves, Leo, Mars and Venus and Leo, and a simultaneous restraint of doing so for fear of the consequences, Saturn and Aquarius, <clears throat> Saturn in general, like being cautious or being aware of cause and effect. And sometimes Saturn can also relate to repression. So some examples could be wanting to express our raw anger to the one that we feel scorned by, want to give them a piece of our mind, wanting to feel heard and validated in that way, but also fearing the damage, right? So that force of like mm, restraint, caution, sometimes suppression versus just like raw, like wanting to express ourselves, like they're at a diametric, you know, opposition. And there's magic in that tension too, right? Like some kind of um, evolution or catalyst for evolution possible in that. Another example, you know, wanting to express our passionate attraction, but fearing rejection. Chiron and Aries in this dynamic comes in like an initiatory figure, reminding us that we are the heroes of our own story, as others are of theirs. So in grappling with an impulse and our simultaneous impulse control, much of our own psyche and soul is revealed in that tension. We are at a cutting edge, the initiation of a new plot point in our personal story, which is new to us. It may not be good enough to simply suppress the impulse or abandon all caution and just go for it. There is a third and perhaps more choices that are often more complex than our initial black and white thinking. So when you are experiencing that, if you are experiencing this in your life right now, like an impulse, but also a, a restraint around that impulse, feeling into, well, what is that really about? Like what's coming through you that's wanting um, to be expressed in a way that has the impact that you desire or is meaningful, like is dignified Saturn, but still honors that raw, alive life force within you that's wanting to just express itself. There's a really excellent opportunity here to expand our capacity, our nervous system capacity, our capacity to be with complexity, our capacity to be with discomfort before reaching for something simple or reaching for a release of the pressure, like being able to hold more. In feeling tension, sometimes we can try to just get rid of that energy as soon as possible. Like we're holding a hot coal and we just want to like throw it away as soon as possible. This can take the form of energetic dumping or leaking our power. We can make a choice in a moment of victimization and frustration, like, ah, you know, just like get it away from me. This is too much. I'm going to just be rash and impulsive and like leak right now. Alternately, if we can find the strength to accept the tension and the high sensation and open to it and increase our capacity to hold it, we can access a more aligned expression of that energy or set of choices from there as opposed to splitting off from ourselves in a moment of panic. Start by having self-awareness of the fact that you are having high sensation, whether you call that anxiety or fear or um, 
urgency, you know, whatever the story or the emotion is, high sensation and giving it that little level of distance and objectivity as opposed to just being inside of it can go a long way in being able to breathe through it, hold it and see what more complex consciousness wants to come through in that space before you throw it away like a hot coal. July 8th, 2021, Venus in 14 degrees of Leo will square Uranus in 14 degrees of Taurus at 1225 PM Pacific. Keep in mind, Venus is entering into dialogue with the Saturn-Uranus square of 2021, one of the biggest transits of this year. You can check out my video on this channel, also linked below, and it'll be linked at the end of this video too. Um, and Mars just activated this. So last week I delineated the Mars Saturn Uranus square. I have a solo podcast about the Mars Saturn Uranus square. It was such a catalytic, hot, tense, dramatic transit for many people. Um, with Venus activating this dynamic, so you know, yeah, Venus is square Uranus right now, but it's also conjunct Mars and also part of the Saturn Uranus square. Here's some thoughts on Venus participating in this dynamic that we explored a lot more through the lens of Mars last week. If you didn't catch that forecast, you can go and check that out and see if it matches up to what your week has been like last week. So there can be sudden breakdowns of order or sudden construction of order with Saturn Uranus, like that zeitgeist in particular. Things which are thought to be solid or long-lasting, Saturn, break down suddenly Uranus. The Florida condos are a tragic example. Um, Britney Spears' conservatorship and wanting that to end, you know, it's been almost 14 years and like the possibility that that could end. Um, I was a little bit confused as to the recent news story, if it was denied or if there's another level of um, deliberation to be coming. But um, yeah, the Berlin Wall also fell during a Saturn-Uranus transit. This dynamic of sudden breakdowns or sudden construction happens in a variety of places at a variety of scales. It can be an ego construct or a paradigm that we've always lived inside of, suddenly breaking open. It could be an eruption of tension within a family system or the workplace. Even though we say Uranus is sudden, that it brings shocks, which it does, most of these sudden events have foreshadowing, which for whatever reason we didn't register or we perhaps overlooked in some way. So something that feels sudden or shocking, and then when you have hindsight, you're like, oh yeah, I see all those dominoes leading up to this catalytic dramatic moment. So working with Uranus and becoming more sensitive, we might notice, you know, what are those subtle tensions underneath the surface right now that if I keep ignoring them because they're uncomfortable, one day they might, you know, kind of erupt. Like, what is it? How can I be proactive, essentially? In a moment like now, the square, it's more confrontational, right? So the reality of these more subtle dynamics becomes known under a tense and confrontational transit like this, which is stressful as that can be. It also offers an opportunity for change and aligning more with the truth or what actually is. So it's a little bit like a kick, um, like a, a catalyst for quick awakening or maybe um, shift. Mars had emphasized the Saturn-Uranus dynamic, so there were more fireworks, you know, metaphorically speaking, but also literally with July 4th in the U.S. Likely more conflict, whether it was outright and visible, or some inner psychological tension and working. You know, like being triggered and noticing that you're triggered and wondering like, why is this thing getting to me so much? And like really working with that material. Not all confrontations have to be, you know, problematic or stressful. Sometimes something in our life is deeply stirring and provocative to us and it inspires a new direction. 
So it's not necessarily conflict, but it could be meeting someone who inspires and stirs you in a certain way or um, being confronted with an amazing opportunity that challenges your limiting beliefs. You know, like confrontation doesn't necessarily mean conflict, but it is confrontational. It's very direct in that way. And so Venus entering this dynamic, she has been here, but she's emphasized now by exact transit adds in a value-based approach to how we are dealing with the tensions and confrontations in our lives. Rather than simply reacting, you know, and the game is changing right before us, the game or the paradigm. We've also been tuning into what we actually desire, where we want to be coming from in our hearts when we participate in these catalyzing situations. Mars and Venus have a special connection too. Um, One time, you know, I was talking to a friend about um, some anger that I'd had, and she gave me this beautiful insight around when Venus is not happy, Mars gets angry. Like when our values are not being um, met in some way, anger can come up. So we have Venus and Mars conjunct. So something happens, we feel confronted, we feel triggered. And it also sparks the meditation or the awareness suddenly of like, well, what do I actually want? If this thing is upsetting me so much, is it not also showing me what I care about or what I value or what I find worth defending? An inner confrontation that could be occurring here is being aware that a situation does not reflect our values or the dissonance makes us aware of what we want. Another confrontation could be occurring, that could be occurring, is realizing that we desire something that we do not think is possible, and yet some of this pessimism is being broken through. There's an alternate route or choice that we haven't even imagined or are just beginning to get intimations of that comes through our awareness like the sun suddenly piercing through the clouds. July 9th, 2021, our new moon in 18 degrees of Cancer at 6.16 p.m. Pacific. This new moon is widely opposite Pluto and Capricorn and trines Neptune retrograde in Pisces. You know, normally when I look at the transits, I just kind of sit and wait for um, my own images to land. But I got a certain prompting to look up uh, the Deacons from the 36 Faces by Austin Kopic to see what was going on in the second Deacon of Cancer, where we find 18 degrees of Cancer. So this new moon is taking place in the second Deacon of Cancer, which is described by Austin Kopic in the 36 Faces as a walled garden. Quote, the second face of Cancer is like a walled garden in which something beautiful is kept. A greenhouse exists here to nurture what is beautiful and exotic, but fragile. End quote. By the upcoming full moon, the sun will be in Leo opposite moon in Aquarius. The moon in Aquarius will be sitting between Pluto and late Capricorn and Saturn in Aquarius. So we'll have the sun tying together, sorry, the moon tying together Pluto and Saturn. Pluto and Saturn aren't conjunct anymore like they were in 2020. Um, But the moon will bring a tie between them at the full moon. The Pluto-Saturn complex we saw in the pandemic, for example, um, there's hardship in the Pluto-Saturn dynamic. There um, can be a deeply protective quality to it as well, especially in relationship to a real or perceived psychological threat. Um, right. And so how we react to what we think is dangerous, like some psychological threat coming in and Saturn, like really bringing in the, the army to deal with that. Uh, I mean that metaphorically, but sometimes that is literal. But that sense of there being like a very extreme reaction. Um, The Pluto-Saturn complex is also about endurance or feats of willpower and challenging conditions. 
So just keeping in mind, you know, the reason that I look at the full moon at any given new moon is to see what's going to be the climactic peak moment of this lunation and just seeing that we're starting in this walled garden, protecting something fragile, and we're going into a full moon where we're confronting the Pluto-Saturn dynamic. What could this mean? Keeping this eventual climax of the full moon in mind, this lunation cycle could have something to do with more deeply exploring the conditions that we personally need to flourish. When we do not have these conditions, we surely can still survive or push through, but it can feel much harder, requiring more willpower or more endurance as opposed to having our environment hold us. We might explore if we feel drawn to cultivate this greenhouse image that allows us to thrive, or if we feel it necessary to unravel some of our attachments to comforts that have become more neurotic in nature to us. And I'll come back to that. When it comes to cultivating life-giving conditions, this is literally a creative process. The womb creates conditions for life. We nest into a home to create a particular ambiance and experience within that home. We design our creative process to encourage fruitfulness of our endeavors. Our personality constructs determine the health of our relationships and our relationship with ourself. There is an element to all of this that is construct, like a thriving cherry tomato plant that is held in place by a trellis. We might already know what this trellis is symbolically for us, um, or we might be in the process of cultivating it where it didn't exist before. A simple question to meditate on could be what is emerging within you that wants to be given more life? And what does this emergent quality need to thrive? It's possible that it doesn't just thrive without any cultivation. It doesn't just thrive without a trellis of some kind, but like a plant, it does need to be given the right conditions. One of the, (laughs) it's so, the more that you've, you know, follow me or tune into my stuff, like party metaphors are a huge part of my life. I dream about parties several times a week. Um, in my night dreams, I have my whole life. Um, the image of the party holds this extreme symbolism to me, um, that there's an evolution of my understanding of that even, um, and what that means about me. But one thing that I'm thinking of in terms of the trellis example is that, um, And when I go to a gathering where I literally am alone, I show up alone and I don't know anyone. And, you know, depending on the type of community, like some communities are already very open to new people or we have similar values and it's easy to make friends and feel connected. But I could just go into a random space, not know anyone and have a certain degree of resistance in my consciousness where it's not easy to drop in. I don't feel comfortable. I feel insecure, right? Versus going to a gathering where I already know a lot of people or I am introduced to someone highly, like you have to meet Sabrina and Sabrina, you have to meet this person. And there's like praise and this sense of, you know, golden glowing, like uh, recommendation on both sides, a sense of being welcomed that I'm going to relax into that system, that energy, that environment a lot more because I feel welcomed and loved and known and understood and seen as opposed to that environment where I don't know anyone and I don't necessarily feel well received. Right. And so in both cases, I'm still me. I still have all of my psychological reserves of confidence or well-being or inner landscape, whatever. Right. But I'm in two different environments, one that feels a lot more receptive and warm and one that feels a little bit more challenging, albeit it's still a party. It could be a war zone or some much more difficult place. Right. But just thinking about how much we actually are supported and uplifted by our environment and how at times, you know, there's a, there's a way that we build a sense of self in those uplifted, supported environments. 
and access parts of our consciousness that are simply much harder, if not impossible to access in conditions that aren't supportive to that. Not always impossible though, but challenging, like a little bit uphill. And as you know, I mentioned these comforts becoming neurotic earlier. So let me unpack that a little bit more. Where this becomes neurotic is a distinction that you may have to draw because, you know, liking your comforts or liking your routines, you know, it may be a supportive thing for you and it may be something that you have a more um, neurotic relationship and you get to decide, like, you, you know that. But take, for example, makeup as an art form. You know, I clearly I'm wearing it, but makeup as an art form, uh, a form of adornment that can instill confidence to the wearer. Yet being afraid to be seen without makeup on, seen without filters on IG stories, um, going to great lengths to not let this happen, you know, to seeing being seen without makeup on, like even by your loved ones at home, like would be an extreme form of, I need this external situational thing to feel okay. And I'm going to defend that even to the point of being neurotic about it. Um, we can have a part of our personality we feel most comfortable resting in, you know, our sense of humor and going toward that at moments where it may not be the most adaptive just because it's a place we're comfortable um, or whatever it is. Something in our personality we feel comfortable resting in and it may offer us a lot of returns in certain areas of life, like it is a strength, um, but are we able to step in and out of it when needed? Do we have that kind of range and flexibility? Simply having the awareness of what parts of our lives are symbolically uplifted by trellises, those conditions that allow you to drop in into deeper levels of confidence and comfort within yourself and thriving, like you actually can grow more. Um, we can be aware of, all, of our vulnerability in that regard and make the choice to nourish ourselves in that way and simply be aware that in an environment less suited to our needs, we may feel more insecure than we'd like. Even in less supportive settings, we may have energetic or internal resources to draw from. So, you know, I don't know how this is landing for you, but thinking about those areas of your life that are a little bit vulnerable, like you, um, you're able to thrive with certain conditions, but you recognize that it would be harder to attain that state of thriving without those things. Creating ritual space or setting intentions can be a way of walling the garden, so to say. We get to create particular conditions or experiences when we create the parameters of our aura um, or create the parameters or an aura of care around our day, a moment in time. I'm such a fan of visualization. That's going to be one of my offers for the Kickstarter, the $50 tier or above. You'll get a talk about uh, intro to visualization magic. And so something like even deciding at the beginning of the day, what kind of day it's going to be like in that feeling state and creating that energetic aura as a container. That to me is like a high form of magic because it's not even about the circumstances or the physical ones themselves, but it's an energy that you kind of weave around your experience and it draws in circumstances that match it. I've been practicing visualization magic before I even knew what it was. I would just do it as a kid. Um, and it changes things like when we change internally or create a web of vision internally, it changes what happens on the external. So in summation of all of that for the new moon and cancer, thinking about what's vulnerable in your life where you want to thrive and what conditions help support that and how you can enhance and cultivate those conditions um, and where your relationship to that has become neurotic, you know, and how to balance that, um, give life and honor, you know, honor that vulnerability, but also see where um, you can find a deeper reserve of that type of emotional well-being that you're finding in a way that might be more um, sustainable.
July 11th, 2021, Mercury enters Cancer at 1.35 p.m. In terms of cognition and information, so mercurial things, Mercury in Cancer highlights our memory. Memory is such a lunar thing, like it's so loony, you know, it's not, um, memory isn't objective per se, it's reflective and it changes every time. The way we circle in our minds over an event in the past and curate or cultivate the memory each time. There's something quite mystical about memory in the sense that an event in its original experience may be quite potent. And there are often new layers of meaning or perception that open up about the event through the portal of memory and reflection. July 12th, 2021, Mercury in one degree of Cancer will trine Jupiter retrograde in one degree of Pisces at 12.45 p.m. Pacific. In communication and storytelling, so storytelling to bring in some of that Jupiter big picture stuff, Mercury in Cancer can be circuitous. It's not about getting right to the point, but about setting the scene and really weaving a whole web of context from which the point eventually emerges or is even just alluded to. So imagine telling a story, but you have to really set the scene first. The importance of setting the scene is highlighted. As we think in this particular way and how we are always housed in a context or a scene, we can see how interconnected and, and interconnected and environmental we really are as beings. We are individuals and we are also influenced and in relationship to our environment. Like I was talking about with the trellis, you know, or what conditions help us thrive. Like we aren't just beings of pure willpower and whatnot. Like we are also housed in a context. Jupiter in Pisces relates to visions of the bigger picture and its most expansive context. You know, in I love tracking Mercury for writing process and like what's happening as writers. Um, and Mercury is not even in cancer yet, but I've already been thinking about um, memory and thinking and daydreaming and feeling as a precursor to writing. Like before you even um, start that process, the reflection and the going over something and the feeling like smoothing it in the mind and in the memory um, is a gestation process. The vision becomes plumper and it becomes more ready to go through the labor process of becoming um, something on the page, right? So in terms of something that you're thinking about and thinking about how I think sometimes we really undervalue the daydream or undervalue the thinking process if we don't understand that as part of the holistic journey of actually creating something, right? Like sometimes we do need to plump up that process of thinking and feeling and being in a state of reverie to feel full in that vision enough to the point where we're almost bursting. There's a ripeness and then we need to do something about it. Sahara Rose, who talks about the doshas, talks about this in the context of vata, pitta, kapha, like vata being in the daydream, thinking about things, pitta, then taking action, kapha, then rest. And from the state of rest, more thoughts and visions emerge, vata, and going through this cycle, right? And so I think that because we're in such a doer culture, such a... Um, you know, productivity-oriented culture that we can sometimes feel guilty or feel like we're not getting anything done when we're just in reverie or feel like, oh, I'm like losing this. Like it's just floating through my consciousness. But if you actually take time to nurture your thought processes or nurture something that you're growing in your mind intentionally, just seeing, um, what, what comes through when you let that get ripe to the point of bursting. <laughs> it's very kind of lunar, very, um, kind of like pregnancy types of images of becoming pregnant with ideas. Um, and then in this kind of process of reverie, feeling into the bigger picture that emerges as well with Jupiter here. And so if you're going to try to remember something, 
remembering more details than you even think you have access to remembering. What was the temperature like? What was happening on the periphery of the scene? Um, all these kinds of images until you get a whole huge context and it suddenly becomes a story. July 13th, 2021, Venus in 19 degrees of Leo, conjunct Mars in 19 degrees of Leo, 6.33 a.m. Pacific. This is heart activating on two big levels. If it's already Venus-Mars conjunct, that alone would do that. Mars emphasizes Venus is the heart. Um, but they're both in the heart-centered sign of Leo, like Leo rules over the heart. The heart beams and radiates energy like the sun does. The heart can also hide or retreat like the sun appearing to hide behind the clouds, you know, hiding, hiding our feelings, not wanting to be vulnerable, shutting down. We can be in our brightness and fullness of expression and affection and truth. We can also be dim or tone it down. A transit like this can certainly be an invitation to turn up the brightness to explore the ways we can open more to love and living from deep attunement to the heart center. So when you like really feel into your, your inner royalty, the pride, not in a negative sense of pride, positive pride that you have in your being, where you feel magical, where you feel beautiful, where you feel uh, royal and giving yourself that, like being generous with yourself and that naturally turns into an outward expression of generosity where instead of feeling, you know, we can still get jealous, but the more that we approve of ourselves and our lights, the more inspired we are by others, you know, or more freely affectionate we feel where we don't feel threatened by their shining, uh, you know, and people who, a lot of people who are creative outwardly and are shiny in some sense, like they may have the experience of noticing that they make other people uncomfortable or jealous. And it's also a path of like not letting that stop you, <laughs> like not needing to uh, have cruel, mean, whatever thoughts about other people, but just accept them where they are in their journey and be like them being uncomfortable about my light and my brilliance doesn't mean that I have to tone this down. Like this is a gift of the universe moving through me. And you can see how there's a possibility there for inflation, but that there's also a responsibility to be in our full light and to be bright creatures, you know, as opposed to letting shame and whatever, like really clamp and suppress that down. So thinking about, you know, where is it that your heart gets contracted? Where do you feel limited? And how can you open your heart to those places in yourself as well as, you know, the places of giving and receiving love, like opening to that. Noting the sensations of the heart center, the physical sensations can reveal so much in any given moment. You know, we can feel settled and openness and warmth. We can also feel contraction or pain. And this can be a reflection of our own sensitivity or even the edges of our capacity to feel. The heart cracks open. Or like a fitness of heart, we are already used to openness as a default and it takes less and less to crack or create sensation. The smallest things can be invitations to deeper layers of the heart. Venus Mars gives me an image of a pierced heart or a heart that pierces. And there's an edge to that that maybe feels violent, like heart pain or, um, you know, like piercing a pierced heart. Like it, it's not the fuzziest image. Right. But then there's a side of this that's like such a vibrant heart, like the laughter that changes a whole room or the compliment that melts a person or the um, the seeing or acknowledging of another that lights that person up. Like there's a piercing quality to that all the same. Our magnanimity, joyfulness, play, affection, humor can open and expand a whole room. Our intention to open can create warmth and receptivity throughout our entire being. And I think it's interesting here as well, you know, people's experiments with opening their heart 
we learn how to balance, um, especially maybe if you have like Neptune stuff or Pisces stuff and you find yourself going more into a martyr zone when you open your heart, like accepting things that you shouldn't accept, um, not being treated well, but just being open to it, like that kind of drama. Um, and I think there's something about the heart when we really honor it and honor its vulnerability and the way that it protects itself, um, that we can have a full open heart and still say no to something, still not be interested in something, still maintain distance from a person, still stand in our worthiness and be so open in doing that. And I think there's something really incredible about the heart in that way. Like there's a, a dignity and a pride in Leo that I think is really magical to tune in with. Yes, it can get uh, blown out in certain ways. And also it is like a important fire within our beings to have a relationship with our sense of pride. Um, not the negative pride as I was speaking of, but like inner dignity, inner light, inner solar energy. And with Venus and Mars in the field conjunct in Leo, it feels like a time where there may be a lot of affection or expressiveness. And we simply have to open ourselves to give and receive that. So thank you so much for listening. Um, please back the Kickstarter for a year ahead of these forecasts and Magic of the Spheres podcast. Leave a comment in the notes. Let me know what you think. Like this video, subscribe, um, and I hope that you have a magical week. 